Welcome to Tuesday afternoon's late lunch on LMFM Radio. Thank God it's a little better out there today. I hope it's nice where you are as well. A little bit of sunshine, dry weather, and uh, we welcome every day we get like that at the minute. Thank you for joining us again on the show. Lots of guests to chat to over the next couple of hours. Music are two on Tuesday, top five countdown, and more besides. But... The story and name and you name it on everybody's lips at the moment is this Barbie movie. Yes, have you seen it yet? Have you been to see it? See it? What did you make of it? Anyway, we're going to start with today on Late Lunch because when I tell you that a young woman called Glenda Taylor from Riverstown in Sligo has the largest collection of Barbie dolls in Ireland. She has over 700 of them and she joins me on the line. Afternoon, Glenda. How are you? I'm really good. First things first, let's get this out of the way. You you went to see the movie. I did. I went last Friday evening with two of my girlfriends and um yeah, listen, really enjoyed it. It was all of what I imagined it to be and maybe a little bit more. Um it was some serious undertones to it, but listen, it was balanced with the right amount of comedy and um a few lovely nods sent to, to Ruth Hander and the history of Barbie, which was which is lovely to see. Um, I picked up on a few different things that my friends didn't pick up on. So, yeah, listen, it was good. So you recommend it. Go see it. Go and see it. Go and see it. Um, it might be for the really small little girls, but um, yeah. although I've seen plenty go and see it. But listen, it's, uh, it's a lovely movie. Uh, girly and pink and just a little bit of escapism. Are you surprised that it's grabbed the imagination or Barbie is back big time? Did you ever anticipate in your lifetime you'd see this renewed interest? Not at all. I cannot get over the amount of... Like, I knew the Barbie movie was coming out. It didn't pass much heat, even though the collection didn't pass much heat. You know, but then just everything just completely blew up. The amount of marketing has been phenomenal. The amount of inquiries I've gotten... Is unbelievable and oh, like shocked and overwhelmed and it's been so grateful for every, every opportunity this doll has given me. Um, like the amount of interest in me and my collection and just Barbie in general is amazing. Um, like complete resurgence, the amount of you little brands that have popped up from it, there's clothes lines brought out now, there's jewellery, makeup, you name it, you can get it. So I think it's going to appeal to a new generation of mm. of girls now. Now, hear you, seven hundred dolls. Come on, out of that. Let's go back, right back. Do you remember your first Barbie, or the circumstances of getting your first Barbie? I do. Yeah. So the first one I got, um, I think she was actually called my first Barbie. Believe it or not, she was a little princess, and I got her when I was in the hospital at the time. So I was young enough. I was probably four or five. Um, but yeah, she got me through a few hospital days. Um, I suppose it's now like Barbie growing up. She was the go-to doll. Um, Santa was very good to me. Um, they were parents for birthdays. And um, I used to get the, the Barbie magazines as well. So mm. I used to love reading those. I suppose then I got a little bit older and um, I discovered eBay, credit cards. <laughs> and on eBay, I found these dolls that were in the magazines. For, so for me, as a young, still a young girl, this, you know, that she had think it comes to life in a doll that I see in the magazine so you know that totally totally gripped me and um, something else which I had forgotten about until recently was I was big into projects when I was younger I used to do projects about hamsters and bees and god knows what else but I wanted to do a post, uh, project about Barbie so I wrote off to Barbie in America and she wrote back to me I was 
Valentine's Day 1996, believe it or not. She wrote me back a lovely letter and a load of facts and figures and history about Barbie. And a couple of days later, I received a little box in the post and it was a little, her little sister Shelley, little present. So, isn't that just mention my, my love for her then at that stage? My, oh my. So when you started to have access to your own money and a bit of credit and that, on you went from there. You joined, I know, the official Barbie fan club in, in America in the early noughties. I'd say that opened up a whole new world, did it? Oh, huge. Yeah, so I joined in 2004. Um, back then, they didn't post internationally either. So, like, the fan club had all these unique special dolls like you cannot get them in shops here in Ireland um, sometimes not even in, in Europe and if you find them on eBay then the, the price are really inflated but they wouldn't post internationally at the time so I made friends with two ladies in America and one of them then I used to post the dolls from Mattel to my friend and she'd post them then to me so this was a lovely little community so made friends out of it and um managed to get some hard-to-find dolls as well. So, mm. yeah. There's always a way, isn't there? There's always somebody always. to help you out. Ingenious again. Get somebody there and then they got the merchandise to you. Um, exactly. You have a wonderful display at the moment, I know, in Cook Opticians on Stephen Street in Sligo. So if you're over Sligo Way visiting folks, check it out. Uh, some of our, of uh, Glenda's collection is on display there. Where do you keep 700 dolls? Did you build a special room for them at home? I did, I did. So, listen, we're very fortunate. We got to build our forever home there a few years ago. So, I suppose at the time, there was a discussion of what was going to do with the dolls. It was either keep them or get rid of them. And um, listen, I don't think I could ever part with them. But I decided if we want to keep them, I have to do it right. So, part of the planning requirements was to have a room. <laughs> so, she's bright pink. She's um, shelved from floor to ceiling. Not that you can see the walls now, but, um, yeah, that's where all the dolls are at the minute. I have a few duplicates as well. They're still with parents, my with my mummy and daddy. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it. I suppose I've, I haven't bought them many lately. I'm focusing a little bit more on, on the quality now as opposed to the quantity. So. Mm. I'm still collecting. I'm waiting on a few from America as we speak. <laughs> there you go. It, it never stops. Go. Now, when you look at, well, you mentioned your first one there and you've picked up some unique ones as well along the way. If I were to pin you down, do you have a favourite of all the 700 or is that impossible? It's like picking your favourite child, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's 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 two it's girls, just girls who are into <laughs> Barbie that discovered the room last week from them bother. Um, <laughs> but listen, there are a few special ones. You know, that one that I got in the hospital, my first collector one when I was 18. She's the Princess of Ireland. And then I make life very easy for my husband these days. Birthdays and, and Christmases <laughs> are, are sorted for him. But um, he got me um, a collector Barbie doll. Um, it was one of the silk stone ones, uh, a wedding one for our wedding day. So, Wow. So that man doesn't really have to think. Isn't that just great, boys? Exactly. Oh. I, I've made life easy for him. <laughs> if only us chaps were all in the same boat that it was so simple, isn't he? A lucky man, he really is. As well as this, this is important to mention because I'm a big fan of the Antiques Roadshow on BBC and, of course, it's come to Ireland and is coming again in, in the future here. But you have, you know, these dolls in pristine condition, in their original boxes, etc., there must be one or two in there that are worth a few bob. Um, oh, I suppose I have a lot of dolls that hopefully will increase in value, you know, as the years go on. Um, mm. 
I I think two from 1960, 1961, so they'll be my oldest ones. Um, but yeah, hopefully in a couple of years, like 60 or 70% of my dolls are still in boxes. So yes. while the temptation is there to, to take them out, um, you know, it is better to keep them in their boxes. And the room that's designed, there's no windows or no light coming in to, to damage them. Um, so yeah, listen, I don't think I ever will part with them, but... Mm. I didn't actually know the road show was coming back, so I might, I might take a peek there. <laughs> yes, and here's the thing: isn't it a good job you didn't clear them out? Well done to you. You know what I mean? And oh, you have you. the room now. Imagine how you'd feel at this stage with this revival in it, and this alone is going to add interest and I'm sure uh, value as well. We haven't mentioned Ken at all. Does he figure in 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 your Barbie seven hundred doll collection? Oh, he does. Sure, he has to. I've known real life kids, so listen, I'm lucky. Um, but no, I do have um, some kids. I have one of the kids from 1961, who was released back then. Um, I do have a few, I suppose, the movie is going to research them now again, though. Mm. Uh, like Ryan Gosling was fantastic in it. So I think there will be a revival of, of Ken and all the family. Um, but no, I do have some. Listen, when I was younger, like I even see my own two girls say and now I've there were two little Barbies. It's not the cheaper ones, mind you, but I know. Um, so I see them playing, and I see the way they play now, they play with them the way I did. Yes. So Barbie and Ken used to go to the beach and off shopping, and I know at one stage they got married, and sure, with the whole wedding service and everything. So listen, I, you know, it's, it's lovely to see them playing with the dolls now. Mm, it's great, because uh, it's moving on now to another generation. You know all this publicity you're getting around this. Um, <clears throat> you could be uh, having a few visitors over the coming days, weeks and months. Oh, you never know. You never know. Like, I'm so grateful and so, I'm still in shock. Every time someone contacts me, I'm like, just must be so Newsweek. But, um... It's it's great to, to get the digital publicity and the opportunity and just thank you to everyone who has reached out. I suppose if anyone does want to give me a shout, feel free. Um, yeah. I love chatting to new people, um, especially other collectors. There's amazingly amount of collectors out there, not just even in, in dolls, but yes. I've done one or two shows for charity and it's amazing. Like, who's out there, like my dad's a collector of books and coins. Um, and I did a show where there was die-cast cars there, porcelain dolls. Lego, Italian families. It's fantastic to see even young people having an interest or a hobby in something. Yes. It's a nice little outlet. Ah. You know, that's what I encourage, you know, to have a hobby no matter what mm. it is. Mm. Do it, be passionate about it. And you never know where it could take you. Yes, and look where it's taken you now. Great to hear that okay. your own girls are getting great fun out of them as well and all that you have along with them. Well, listen, it's lovely to talk to you today. I know Riverstown well. I fish over there, Lock Arrow, a lot. Oh, and I've been to, to Martin the Butcher in Riverstown. Tell him I said hello if you're talking to me. Oh, really? we, we, we get the old tuck for when we're out in the lake from Martin. He's the best of stuff. Oh, very good. Uh, anyway, lovely to talk to you, Glenda. And if you're in Sligo, this lady works at Cook Up Tish on Stephen Street and the sum of the collection on display there. Thank you so much for joining me today and best wishes for the future with all Barbie brings you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Love to chat Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Louise is going to see Barbie. Is it tonight? Yeah, tonight. Oh, we get a first-hand report tomorrow. Looking from you forward then, to it. So, yeah, I'm sure you are. have to find something pink. Ah, oh, no bother to you. With that collection of stuff that you have for years and years and years, there has to be something <laughs> pink in it somewhere, no matter what. I'll have a bet I on that. I actually have a Barbie dressing table on my dressing table. Have you? Yeah, it's just there and it kind of, I have trinkets hanging from it and nail varnish and stuff. There you go. Yep. Anyway, we'll have an exclusive first-hand review tomorrow from Miss Louise Walsh. I'll try not to fall asleep. <laughs> you won't fall asleep. No, it's meant to Katrina be Katrina won't let you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to get in touch with us on the show. Insurance, car insurance, little story. Uh, the better half's car insurance. My name's car insurance, due for renewal. Um, I look after those type of things. Anyway, the quote was 525 the insurance from Aviva it's due this week I've left it and last night I just went in on one of those you know uh, look I went in on corn market corn market and they put in whatever anyway put in all all the details 525 from Aviva 407 on corn market quite a difference brilliant Mm. 407 and guess who the 407 was from (laughs) who Aviva Aviva so Corn Market 407 from Aviva, Aviva themselves 525. So you got onto them, obviously. I did. First thing this morning. Brr, brr, hello. Anyway, went through everything and said, uh, I've got I've got a better quote. Would you mind me asking who's that from? Yourselves. <laughs> How did they explain it? There was no explanation. None at all. 525-407. Anyway, with a bit of turn and froing and bargain, we spat and shook hands. And did the deal. I played, Brilliant. paid only slightly. Now, I didn't get it for the 407, slightly more, but it wouldn't be worth shifting, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. It, it, no it made no difference, really. And, yeah. But isn't that just something else? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that you're very lucky, actually, because I'm with Aviva, and now I got a very, very good quote this year. Yeah. Um, extremely good. It was the cheapest ever. But I did the comparison on the internet just to make sure, you know, three yeah. quotes, and they couldn't touch it. They couldn't. It was about. 300 quid more well, in, in everything. And I went to Viva and I said, you know, is this the best you can do? You know, mm. And normally they'd knock off something, but they don't yeah. do that anymore. No. Well, actually, when I think when he got a bit of a stir, when I said, when he says, would you mind mm. me asking you who's that? I said, yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it just, yeah, you'd scratch your head. Yeah, but absolutely. the lesson is, folks, I tell you today, as we and John Lowe always mentioned it to us here, Shop around. Mm. Don't take it as it is. Shop around. That's an all insurance, electricity, utilities, all that type of stuff. Shop around. Change. Be willing to change. But there you go. Anyway, uh, save myself a few years. You feel good. Don't you feel good yeah. when you come off a call like that and say, great. You know, had I not just that, done that little bit of research myself for that, I would have paid through the nose. The other news from our house. Breaking news from Balanchala. The kettle's gone again. No, not again. Yes. How many cups of coffee do you make? The kettle's gone again. Out the door. New kettle. Is it lime scale or is the button or what? I'll tell you, it was just tasting rotten. Even herself said to me that I can't drink that. It is the water. The water. It's not the kettle. The water. water. I explained that. But you see, she said, I hate that kettle. Oh, I never heard (laughs) her use that word hate before. So nothing to do. I went up to every little heart, every little help, sorry, and uh, bought their basic kettle for 20 quid. What's to do with the other kettle? It's going to the recycle. I'll take it. 
Will you? Yeah, <laughs> right. it works, doesn't I'll, it? It does. I'll bring it into you. You're welcome to it. It's remember, it's be my remember, kettle. remember, you're taking charge of a hated kettle. But I'll bring it into you. <laughs> it's not cursed, No better sure. woman. You can put her all that pink stuff you have. Late lunch, <laughs> LMFM radio. Thanks to a listener who just sent us in a message there. Jerry, I thought you'd like to hear Johnny Cash singing Barbie Girl. God, I would like to hear that one. We'll have to investigate that further for sure. We're talking about Barbie top of the show with Glenda Taylor who has over 700 Barbies in her home in Sligo. Now, it's expected that the government will announce full public funding for a cycle of IVF for eligible couples from September. It'll be the first time in Ireland that assisted human reproduction treatment is publicly funded. We've someone joining us who we've spoke to on a number of occasions in the past. Dr. Bart Kuchera is with the Beacon Care Facility. He's a consultant in fertility. Bart, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon. What do you make of this? Is this positive? You dealing with uh, people all of the time? Is the financing of this a big uh, worry, a big put-off perhaps uh, for some people? It's definitely a positive move. You know, there is a group of people who could not afford the treatment so far and they would qualify under the criteria and they will receive treatment. So that's, that's good. Um, you know, there will be some teething problems. We expect that. That's normal. It's It's a new thing. It's a new service. So uh, we will need a few months to see how it works and uh, what to do if it doesn't work and what are the potential, you know, downsides. And I believe, you know, it will be progressively, you know, improved for, for patient service. Yeah. What do you make of the criteria? They're surmising at the moment that a few things uh, will, you know, restrict this from certain people. Um, couples having a, a known clinical cause of infertility. So you must have that. What about that for starters? Uh, so, you know, the unexplained infertility is really a problem here. Uh, I believe there will be a patient's pathway for the moment, we don't have, you know, very precise criteria and patient's pathway described yet. It's going to be revealed um, later. Um, however, you know, the, the general view is that also these patients will be, you know, um, covered by the GPs and, 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 you know, major hospital services who will advise patients what to do next. And once qualified, you know, under the label of unexplained infertility, they will be receiving treatment too. It's just, I think, more time-consuming for them to go through the pathway. Um, that general, you know, remark on, on, on this particular type of infertility, uh, but, you know, there will be other cases which I believe will be much more streamlined. 41 years of age, they say. You've got to be under 41. What, from you, in your professional view, what do you make of that, that limit in, in terms of years? I may say that it's like an industry standard, whether you define it under 41 or 40 years old or 39 on the day of egg collection. Different countries took different approach to that. But generally speaking, you know, this is public finding. So there is uh, some ethical consideration how this money is being spent. Uh, and, you know, above the age of 41, uh, natural fertility and IVF, uh, they are more challenging. And there might be a question, is it, is it justified to finance it the way uh, we want it to? Um, just to mention, you know, a 41-year-old couple is, is when one in three of them are infertile, and it's not a matter of disease, it's a matter of natural aging process. So what are we treating, you know, a disease, or is it just a natural, you know, decline in fertility, which is irreversible, and it's hard to tell which is which, uh, 
in initial tests even. So, so we have to keep that in mind that for every couple, there will come a moment when they are infertile and no treatment will help. Um, and I think, you know, 41 is, is a fair, fair moment to, to, to put the line. Yeah, OK, yeah, that's reasonable in, in your book. Only open to couples who do not have children. This is interesting because uh, that was something we discussed this morning in the in the in the office here. Actually, um, you know, what, let's say there is a couple. She has children from previous marriage. He has children from previous marriage. Now they are together. Would they be regarded as a childless couple? And this is one of the scenarios that has to be, you know, um, advised of by, by the government side. You know, whether this is the, the right way of thinking or is it just whenever a woman has a child, she's not regarded as you know, childless and would be a disqualifying criterion. I don't know. That's one of the bit uncertain, you know, um, terms here. The other one that jumps out at me when I look at uh, what is uh, speculated, and generally the speculation is on the money, this is what it's going to be. The body mass index is something that is to be considered. So I take it then that if your body mass index says that you um, may be overweight or carrying too much weight, you won't be included. That's true. And, you know, it's, it's often criticized as, as a marker or measure, but generally speaking, we don't have anything better for the moment. It was well studied, and it's, it's a good marker to say who has, you know, high risk of a miscarriage, who has high risk of pregnancy as such, when IVF treatment is less effective. So uh, it's reasonable to, to put such a mark because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about having an IVF, but it's also to having a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby at the end of the day. So there are other, um, other you know, issues that have to be also considered before we make someone, someone pregnant. It, it's, uh, we mentioned at the start there about the, the cost saving involved. They're estimating on average 11,000 euro in cost, which is a substantial sum of money. On that journey, I know you've spoken to me about it in the past, uh, there's a lot of stress uh, on people. To take that out of the equation, can that be the difference between perhaps somebody conceiving or not? Uh, well, yes, it can, but you know, it's it's not something that's um, like with like that everyone will will have the same the same reaction or problem. So, yes, it's taking one of the stress elements, perhaps affordability of the treatment. It does not, you know, address others, and they still have to be to be followed individually as we treat the couples. I mentioned to you before, just remind us again, you know, somebody goes down this road once, perhaps twice, three times. How many times? When do you say, look, sorry, uh, and, and it's shocking when you have to do this, when you reach an end game. How many times will you try or should couples try this? Okay, so uh, that that depends on, on age and ovarian reserve. You know, the couples uh, are, are different. Every woman is different, and the, the doses for medications, for instance, differ based on their age and their ovarian reserve, as it's called. So um, even this, you know, one cycle gives a big relief because if you look at the chances per cycle, that's the cycle with highest odds for success. So we are sponsoring actually the best, uh, the best cycle ever. So so I think it will have a higher, you know, higher potential to result in a live-born child than average cycle. Uh, actually, we know it for a fact that it's going to be above average in terms of that's at least the expectation because the average would, let's say, take into account one or two or three. Um, and whether a couple does one or two or three or four, that's, that's, that's individual. And, uh, you know, some couples will struggle to produce five eggs in, in, one, in one attempt. 
some will produce 25, and let's say, for argument's sake, you need 25 eggs per baby. Uh, obviously, the one who produces more eggs at a time uh, is the winner. Uh, but at the same time, those who produce five, this is usually genetically determined, they cannot simply produce more than five in a given cycle, or they cannot produce more than six. So that's that's where, where the struggle begins, really. Mm. So the investment in that first one is crucial, as you say. One final thing, treatments involving the use of donated materials will not be funded in September, but the door, they say, will be left open there after the necessary legislation and regulations are put in place in this country. That will happen. What's your view on that? So... Yes, as you said, it's just the beginning of the process. So as time goes by, it's, it's, the doors are open for further you know, improvements or, or developments. Uh, my first view is it's focused on disease of infertility rather than you know, social situation, being single, being same-sex. That's different. Um, so it's more, more focused now on couples who have tubal factor, who have you know, sperm quality factor, uh, endometriosis. This is the main. This is the bulk of patients that that will be covered in this first uh, in this first uh, run of of IVF. Yes, and uh, many changes to come down the road. It looks like. Thank you so much again for joining us on the show today. Always appreciate your professional opinion. Thank you so much. Take care. That's Dr. Bart Kuchera there. Bye-bye. From the Beacon Care Facility. He's a consultant in fertility there. It must be something else, you know, when you're trying and trying for a baby and then IVF delivers that child for you. It must be just simply amazing. Anyone listening to us today who had that experience, trying for a while, and then baby arrives, what that is like? If you're listening and you care to get in touch with us, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or after hours, remember our email address, latelunch at lmfm.ie. We always love to hear from you. Stay where you are. It's coming up, our two on Tuesday. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'd love to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Well, I have a little personal story about my Two on Tuesday today because, you see, in the spring of 2011, I was in New York City and I actually heard this song playing over there and it caught my ear and I came back here and it hadn't made it to this side of the world. But it eventually did. I remember playing it, got it uh, online somewhere, played it here in late lunch, and then we started to play it. And by the summer, June 2011, it was a huge hit on this side of the world, making it to number two in the UK charts, but for one week only. You might recognise it. It's the intro for the HBO show, How to Make It in America. Yes, our two on Tuesday, this Tuesday, is Mr. Aloe Black and I Need a Dollar. Black, our two on Tuesday. I need a dollar. The old greenback. It's what the world turns on for sure. Anyway, that's the two. So what prey kept it from number one spot? Well, when I tell you the song that did is one of the best selling singles of all time. Yes, 
8.2 million copies of this song sold. It's actually about an encounter between the singer Pitbull. Uh, He had this encounter with a princess from Dubai in a nightclub. He passed his number to her and was then escorted away from her by her security. And this put the idea into his head. So Pitbull, combined with DJ Afrojack, Nao and Nair, two singers, and Pitbull himself, came up with this one. It's the number one that prevented Aloe Black making it to top spot. Here's Pitbull and the boys with Give Me Everything. Me not working hard. Yeah, right, picture that with a Kodak. Or better yet, go to Times Square, take a picture of me with a Kodak. Took my life from negative to positive, I just want y'all to know that. And tonight, let's enjoy life. Pitbull, Nadia, Neo, that's right. The number one that uh, prevented Aloe Black making it to top spot in the charts. Yes, featuring DJ Afrojack, Neo and Nair, Pitbull the Man and uh, Give Me Everything. 8.2 million copies. So, what's the verdict, Mrs? Pitbull. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> That's a great Big song, time. isn't it? Yeah. It is a great song. You see all r- the DJs mixing oh, the decks for that one, can't It's you? a real dance tune, isn't it? There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. It really is a dance tune and one that did get you out of the seat and onto the dance floor for sure. Now, Aloe Black's a nice song. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. It is. It's a nice, nice, easy listening that as well. But I think there's no doubt what was the number one and what deserved to be there too. So there you have it. That's a two and one on this Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for the sticker rock. Oh, you're welcome. Did you break your teeth on a chat now? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll get a hammer and give it a little tap. So we'll Do you know my son said, what? what? That's rock? <laughs> what? And never heard of it. Never heard of a stick of rock before. Never heard of rock before. Really? Mm-hmm. They were looking at it going, well, what is it? What? <laughs> I was trying to explain. It's like a giant candy cane kind of thing. And yes. No, they didn't get it. And the name of where you get it from is it runs through the rock, right through it, doesn't it? Yeah, the name yeah. is generally printed in the rock. Now, Louise got me my all-time favourite. The pink rock with the white centre, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But my favourite rock is the white one with the tricolour running yeah. through it. And that's the one you got me, mm-hmm. the tricolour. I love that one. That's my favourite sticker rock. Is there a different in... Flavor. Taste, oh yeah. Oh, is it? Right. Oh yeah, I yeah, didn't know yeah, that. yeah. There's a different, and I right, folks. There is a different taste it's between one minty. Yeah, the pink and white is minty. Is it? Yes. You think it'd be strawberry? No, the pink and white is minty, and yon is a more fruity rock. Right. So it is. So you, you're Never spot on with it. I thought it was lovely. I haven't got a stick of rock in years. Yeah, I didn't think you'd ever. You have to kind of go looking for them now. They're not everywhere like they used to be. Don't think so. When we were kids. Uh, I was an altar boy, as you know, on the Dominican. <laughs> I was Dominican Church altar boy. Yes, stop laughing, please. And uh, right up there on the CV, I right <laughs> up on the CV, Dominican Church altar boy. Loved every minute of it. And uh, each year for the altar boys, there'd be uh, they was nothing for doing. It was only voluntary. Do you know what I mean? We never touched the wine. Let me tell you, or anything mm-hmm. like that. Honestly, honestly, hands up as God may strike me dead at this minute. No. Um, but each year they used to at Christmas time you'd be brought to the cinema 
and for to picture and chips uh, before it and something at the Carlton Cafe. It's not there anymore. The Carlton for chips and a, a meal and then the cinema. Um, and in the, the summer trip was the big one, Louise. Bray. Dublin Zoo, Dublin Zoo on the way up, out to Bray to the Dodgem cars and all the slot Not machines bad. and that. And you know, we used to go on the way back, think of the stupidity, the innocence of it, Dublin Airport. And we used to be up and down. <laughs> the, what you could have got. <laughs> we used to be up and down the escalators in Dublin. We never saw there was no such thing as escalators in our neck of the woods. And we'd be looking through the binoculars, look, <laughs> looking out at the planes coming in. But Bray, you see, back to Bray, Bray and the Sticker Rock. Oh, yeah. Always be looking for the sticks of rock to bring home to give to people your little gifts you know what I mean you'd have a feck all to spend you know what I mean but anyway that's where I remember rock from anyway bringing back memories thank you for the stick of rock from the west of Ireland is there rock in anywhere around here any of the towns have I know there is a stick of rock in Donegal because I did buy one okay yeah so Donegal and Mayo not in Lowthermead I'd say there's no rock in Lowthermead I I bet you do you think oh there has to be no No, well unless would there be in Carlingford yeah, or Newgrange maybe around that area, you know? No. No. Maybe Carlingford might be the only place to be a stick of rock. Anyone know anything about sticks of rock and Lowther Mead? Let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp Welcome or text. Welcome to Navin. There has to be. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm saying no. The big towns, no. Navin, Dundalk, Drogheda, no rock in them. Along the coast, maybe. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Let us know. Very special evening coming up in Oldbridge House this Thursday evening at 7 o'clock under the auspices of the Solstice Art Centre in Navin. An evening of art, spoken word and performance in the stunning wall gardens there at the bottle of the Boyne Visitor Centre, Oldbridge House. Drinks on arrival and canapes, locally sourced products, one and all. Guests will then be provided with a picnic blanket to enjoy a 40-minute performance of specially composed music by Irla O'Leonard from the Gloaming with Kira Conway, Tonta and Matthew Nolan within that beautiful wall garden. And then it's a really special event. Someone decides hawk or doves is a celebration of the commissioned work of artist Neve McCann and architect Peter Carroll that will be orated by historian Katrina Crow and the very one and only Neve McCann joins me on the line. Hello, Neve. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Well, that's the best I could do in an intro for you to build you up to the big <laughs> event on Thursday. It's quite some build-up. Right? May I say, well, well deserved. And you know what, Neve? I'm just looking at my weather forecast here with the weather in and out at the moment. Thursday evening, good, dry, clear spells, it says, uh, during Thursday. Evening. So that's, that's good news. That's good news for yeah, everybody yeah. there. So it is. Anyway, tell me, please, about someone decides hawk or doves. W- what is this about for our listeners? Well, someone decides hawk or dove is a commissioned arts project that comes under the decade of Centenary Arts Council of Ireland's celebration. So thinking of issues around you know, the the construction or the, the issue of a border north and south in Ireland, signing of a treaty, and everything in terms of the founding of the state. So thorny and difficult and maybe um, complex, but also very, very personal subjects. And that's where I come into it. I've kind of been thinking and making work along the border in terms of a, making work in Northern Ireland in terms of visual arts practice. And then I've decided to really look at this as an issue within my work. So thinking of edges and splicing and 
joining and speaking across things, which is where this performance comes in. It's sung in both English and Irish and very, very beautiful, but thinking of, you know, very old ancient histories as it speaks to present, but across loss and divides and kind of funny and difficult, but subjects with love, I guess. It's mm. like it's a, um, and within that, within the wall gardens, there will be curious little sculptures, so hybrid animals and beasts and images printed, silkscreen printed on brass plates. Um, and within that, as you say, very, very beautiful octagonal gardens and intriguing structure. Mm. This performance will hold it all together. So really kind of thinking of a very immersive, um, uh, lovely and maybe even difficult and but at the same time, very enjoyable and beautiful experience for the audience. Mm. It's a it's a real challenge, even to the likes of yourself, with all your experience and all the wonderful exhibitions and works that you've had, not alone in this country but all, all over the world, to incorporate the old and the new, the the issues, you know, and bring them into a contemporary focus. It's it's. You know, it's 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 a wonderful, wonderful talent and skill you have. It must um, keep you awake at night, does it too? <laughs> Very much so. I think that's a good description. It certainly keeps you awake at night or it can wake you up at night with yeah. talk or some images, etc. And I guess if it wasn't challenging and interesting, I wouldn't be doing it. So it, it's, it's artists or for me, it's like thinking out loud through stuff and through relationships with people like the Earlo Leonard and Kiera Conway and Ponta and Salsis and all the fabulous, interesting people that I get to work with, like Peter Carroll. That's the challenge and the interesting thing. And if it wasn't teetering along a line of, you know, risk in terms of a creative practice, well, then maybe it wouldn't hold the same draw or inspiration for me yes, really. yes. from your perspective and this is just but one uh, small strand of the arts in this country it really has come centre stage and it's a, a medium for prompting thought isn't it and you know opening up our minds Absolutely. Kind of, you know really deliberately aim to have things that are a little bit provocative and I don't mean in some cheap shocking type of way but just thoughtfully provocative like there's a sculpture that's a half pygmy hippo half root so it's curious so you start to ask where it's from what it's made of where is she and where's the source of the story with that so it's thought-provoking absolutely and equally also a bit like the singing and the music and this deliberate use of scale the text and in English that it's able to hold space for that thoughtful, reflective, enjoyable and complex relationship within an audience and to artists. Because again, mm. I'm, of course, the first audience for everything I do myself. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm very conscious of that space. Of how is mm. somebody going to meet this and how are they going to engage and how are their thought processes going yes. to follow through with these things or these experiences? Do you run it by anybody or do you just say, you're the first to see it, it's me, <laughs> and you let it fly then and whatever people make of it, they make of it? Um, I think there's often a lot of people involved along the way of the process. I mean, that there's a huge amount of self-trust that I think is necessary. That there's, you know, my first point of 
departure is actually tiny little sketches and sketchbooks. And there's a certain point where you know, or I know, which ones will work in the trust to run with that. And then along that journey of this tiny little, maybe even scratchy drawing becoming a thing or becoming an experience or becoming a piece of work, that does involve lots of conversation and discussions with other people. Sometimes in the, you know, the very making um, problem solving is like, how do I do it? <laughs> to, <laughs> well, do you think this will work? Yes, you know, or yes. I, can we get together and maybe have a creative discussion across it? Because the creative discussion with Peter Carroll as an architect or Irla O'Leonard, the composer and singer and Kira Conway, that meets in the work. So yeah. it's, it's, starts for me and it starts from a point of trust and maybe stubbornness mm-hmm. and then meets a lot, pe- a lot of people along the journey into into space where we meet other people that yes. also get to engage and enjoy. Mm, three-dimensional you are with, you mentioned the drawing there, the painting and the installation as well. It gives you different mediums of expression, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've, you know, years ago, maybe I would have wrestled with that. It's like maybe I need to be more singular or maybe I need to be more, um, yeah, single medium. But once I actually thought about it, I'm in a world that's very immersive and multidimensional and multimediated. And it's not the case for every artist, but for me, it's a very, very natural process to kind of think in multi-mediums and to sometimes present drawings or wall drawings or paintings. Um, and then very often it is three-dimensional because, again, I, as I said, there, I'm very, very aware of an audience meeting something. So I guess that point of meeting is the primary thing for me is mm. a physical engagement. Yeah. Look, uh, you're great. Uh, this is fantastic. It's coming to the northeast to uh, Oldbridge House on Thursday evening, 7 o'clock, 20 euro the tickets are, and a wonderful evening in prospect there, not to be missed. I wish you well with this and all you do, Neve, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for your time. It'll be a beautiful evening on Thursday. I'm looking forward to it myself. And so many other people are as well. Thank you, Neve. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. That's Neve McGann there. Brilliant, brilliant contemporary Irish artist. Uh, it is in Oldbridge House this Thursday evening. The weather is fine. Uh, it's under the auspices of the Solstice, the Arts Council, the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaelic, Sport and Media. Now, what about this? The Rock, Louise. Weldons in Dunlear have rock. You can also buy rock in Carlingford and Old Meath. All the rock you ever want, Jerry. But I wonder, has it the name? You know what mm, we're asking. Or whether it's just Ireland on is it. Is it just Ireland generic. on it? Is it just generic rock? Or does it have the name of O'Meath or Carlingford or Louth or Dunlear or whatever? Love to know that. That comes in from Shane Megan in Terman Fekin. And he wants to know, but where the hell would you get a Peggy's leg? <laughs> I don't know where you'd get a Peggy's leg. Peggy Shane. probably has too. <laughs> Do you see the programme on Channel 4 last night talking about legs? No. Greg Wallace presented it (laughs) after Food Unwrapped. You didn't see this? No. Oh, my God. Well, you know, it it was a setup. It wasn't real. It Well, you realise, well, I did realise it, but I'm sure as many people did, an alternative to meat. Okay, more meat. They took meat from human beings, from your hip or from somewhere else in your body. A portion of, they extracted it and then grew it in a lab into steaks and clumps of meat. 
And they even went to a restaurant in London and cooked at a top class restaurant and they tasted it. Then they had children in with the meat being extracted for them, more tender. And you got paid when you donated part of your body to create the new meat. It was a lesson. The programme was a real lesson, I think, to us. That's what it was meant Mm. to be. There's no such thing. It couldn't happen. They said they could do it in the UK now because they're out of the EU. (laughs) The EU (laughs) wouldn't allow it because they're out of the EU now. What... one, the only benefit is it to be out of the EU. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, one of those programs that <laughs> that you look at and think, "Oh my God!" I uh, listen. You know Fair me. Ribs. You know me. I'd eat anything. Would mm-hmm. I eat meat cultivated from human beings? No. No. Late lunch, LMFM radio today. With tomato Not even with tomato ketchup, <laughs> let me say. No, not even with ketchup, doused in ketchup, or anything else you like, or with. Pepper sauce, not for me, to be honest with you. I'm sure many people might have seen the programme on Channel 4 last night with Greg Wallace. It was a very salutary lesson to be learned from that programme when you think about it. There's another one on television as well I must talk about as well. That's really, oh, it really stops you in your tracks. But that's for another moment on the show, perhaps tomorrow. We're taking a break now. And after the break, it is World Drowning Prevention Day. And Michal Kyo saved lives at sea. He's joining us next. Water safety, it's always an issue year round, but especially at this time. And today is World Drowning Prevention Day. Michal Kyo prevented uh, drowning, multiple drownings in Kerry back in 2020. And he joins me on the line. Hi, Michal. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Good to talk to you again. I remember we talked at the time. Is it 2020? Yeah, 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 2020. Where, yeah, have, where has the time gone? I can't believe it's that long ago. Just remind us of what happened. You were swimming near Slayhead. Yeah, that's right. Um, down by the beach. And uh, I was just out at the water and then uh, <laughs> trying to remember now, but the child, yeah, he was out in the water and his uh, his father and his two uncles were out trying to get him and um, just the current, the current was very strong and took the child... And then uh, I went over, and I remember there was a chap, um, Dan, I think was his name. He went out, and he got to him first. And then I uh, just went over to try and help, and um, current being so strong and um, him not being able to swim, managed to be able to help or swim the child up to his father, and he pulled him in. And then we, there was the uncles as well, and the waves were coming over and had to try and help them in as well um, just uh, tricky yeah my oh my yeah it started with a 10 year old boy and within no time there were two of his relatives his father and an uncle trying to help him and they were in trouble too there was another man gave you a dig out a fella called Dan Sullivan that's right yeah Dan yeah that's his name I um, he so he was there first and then he was he managed to get himself up onto the beach and he came around by the cliff side and I was able to swim the child and the father in as far as Dan. He was able to pull them in further then onto the beach. And then uh, then I remember the uncles were out on a rock and uh, had the, the uncles couldn't swim either and just had to kind of one by one swim them back into to Dan as well. He was up on the, on the cliffside just because couldn't do it. It was... Um, Thankfully, quite tall, so I was able to somehow somehow walk them in or swim them in. 
Yeah, uh, and I, I know it took a bit out of yourself. I remember you telling me at the time, um, you, you know, to be involved in a situation like that, you act on impulse. But I suppose when you have a few minutes or time to dwell on what might have been, it, it does affect you. Yeah, no, it was. It was um, it was intense and it was, I'd say, it was just adrenaline. Um, helped it, obviously. Um, but it kind of, yeah, being a strong swimmer is obviously important and kind of knowing... You know, knowing that I I had been on that beach before, so I knew that there was deadly currents there. So, kind of had a rough idea of what they were going through. So, mm. just kind of knew what to knew how to help as, as much as I could. Anyway, yeah, it was fortuitous that you had the knowledge and just timing is everything. That you were there at the time, and that other man Dan Sullivan was with you as well, and other people helped you around the beach to get them all to safety. Did you ever find out who they were? Yes, um, yeah, they were lovely people. They um, actually sent me a letter um, afterwards. They were very nice, and the family did. Yeah. So you had contact for them. That is really nice to hear because you weren't sure. I remember when we talked back at the time, you knew roughly they were from the Dublin area, but who they were. But that's good that they didn't forget and they came back to you because they they actually owe your lives to you. And I suppose where we're talking on this day is just to remind the people about that drama, the part you played in it. And it is this day when, you know, we're trying to say to people, water, it's dangerous. You've got to take every precaution. And especially when you mentioned that beach there with... uh, flowing and ebbing tides and currents etc the sea is particularly dangerous Meal goes without saying yeah that's just it you just you can't you can never um, trust it you just there's always there's always every day is different out in the in the ocean mm. especially with that, that that beach in particular where there's no lifeguards um, yeah. on duty yeah, you can always have to be um, aware and make sure that you know yes um, just make sure that no, somebody knows that you're out in the water and make sure that you're safe. Absolutely and take heed of the weather conditions, the currents and everything no matter where you go. Listen well done to you again Michal, thanks for taking our call today, a hero you are. Uh, thank you very much appreciate it. Take care of yourself, bye bye that's Michal Kyo there from Enfield in County Mead who effected a rescue of those people and we just mentioned it today please please be safety aware when you are near water. The rock situation, Louise. Yes, our listeners, late lunch listeners, you just can't beat them. Somebody says, you definitely can buy that rock in Carlingford. Another listener says, and uh, I was in Carlingford uh, all last year and I bought them every day in more for less in Dundalk as well, Jerry. Another one says, the rock in Carlingford, Louise, you wouldn't need to have teeth to chew it. <laughs> so you could be gobby. It's soft. Somebody's saying there that it, the, the rock... I never Probably found. not as hard as it used to be, maybe. Yeah, well, that one you gave me is hard, that's for sure. <laughs> You're trying to destroy what's already the destroyed. <laughs> and boil it. And boil it. Before you threw it out. Good suggestion. What about our good friend Caroline Burke of Beliver fame? Look at that. She's she, the same one as you, but a different colour, hasn't she? She has. She has the, the pink coloured one. When anyone tells me they're going on holidays, says Caroline, I always say, bring me back a stick of rock. This is my collection just from this year, plus one from Clifton and Killarney. <laughs> She's a fantastic woman. She really is. Well done, Caroline. Five, four, three, two... One. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear.
And today it's... The number four from this very week in 1996. And when I tell you it was released a year earlier, that was 95 in Australia and the UK, but didn't really make much or any waves in the charts. And it wasn't until it's released the following year, the year we're talking about, 1996, that it became a huge hit. Featuring Caribbean rapper Bubbler Ranks, it's a perennial classic according to the critics. And it didn't make it a top spot in the charts, only made it up to number two. But on this week, on this day, it was number four in the charts. Here it is, Mr. Peter Andre. It'll pay his pension forever. Mysterious girl. dancing around the kitchen to that one I don't know what's going on in your house today it's a classic it's a cracker it's a lovely it's a feel good song isn't it yes didn't make it to the top back when it was released in 1996 but did in 2004 number one in the UK and certainly the video is some advertisement isn't it for Andre's personal trainer and his spray tan artist that's for sure anyway Peter Andre there with uh, Mysterious Girl number four this week in 1996 and we will continue the countdown tomorrow and into Friday with your three two and one what about twitter lots of people love twitter tweeting about this that and the other well mr elon musk bought the company he's uh, made a lot of changes ever since he did and just decided then he was going to change the name so what, what what will you do now it's called x x marks the spot will you tweet is it about tweeting now you know the little bird symbol is gone it's an x now has it the X factor? Well, one woman who loves Twitter and she's known as the tweeting goddess is Samantha Kelly. And I'm so interested to see and hear what she has to say about this change. She's joining me next. So when Elon Musk announced that he was dispensing with the little bird and changing the name Twitter, Earl Louise said to me two words, Samantha Kelly. So just shows you how synonymous this woman is with Twitter. Yes, she is the tweeting goddess. She's a good friend of ours and she's on the line. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Jerry. Thank you. And thanks, Louise. <laughs> well, you know, I ain't surprised because you are uh, the tweeting goddess and you're synonymous with it. And we were, we were saying to ourselves, we've got to see what she has to say about this. What's her view on it? What do you think? Well, I think it's brilliant, to be honest. Um, besides the fact that my brand is Tweeting Goddess, that can be looked at another time. But like as you say, it's got such a high social um, footprint already, you know, digital footprint. It's, it's okay. Um, but, you know, the thing about this is, this is actually really good because it's changing. Um, it's, it's like you have someone who built the, who helped build 
PayPal at yeah. the start, right? Mm. So I see this turning into an everything app where there be payments and they've already started getting, you know, with Twitter Blue, they've already started getting people's credit card details. So they have, his, he has a history of being with fintech. He has the, um, you know, the, 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 the mind. If anyone's going to change Twitter and turn it around, it's him. Now, a lot of people don't like him. Um, but I see a difference already and people will always, no one likes change, okay? Mm. Um, but I think, you know, Twitter has always been where the world's elite go to engage and written in spoken debate. So I think um, this affinity with the X as well, you know, it's called X now. Maybe I could be expert goddess or something I don't know but you know um, it's there'll definitely be a play around that I reckon but you know like there's SpaceX there's Tesla you know the Model X so he has this affinity with the letter X so it's going to be called X now yeah you so got the X who, factor uh, I can tell you Samantha you definitely got the <laughs> I like that expert I, I really do but I, I see where he and what you're talking about what he foresees is what you said there it's the bringing together of the messaging the social media elements and those payment services that you mentioned a moment ago. So he sees the synergies between these coming together under this X brand. It's just, I suppose, Samantha, when you get used to something, you get into a comfort zone and Twitter yeah. and tweet, it went so well hand in hand. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear that you feel this is a move, a step in the right direction. I do, and a lot of people have been asking me, and so I wrote an article on LinkedIn about it on my LinkedIn newsletter because I have moved into LinkedIn as well because, look, you know, I, no one knows what's going to happen. You don't know. He, Elon could decide, you know what, Ugh, I've had sick of this, I'm just going to turn it off. You just don't know. Mm. So we, the, the main thing that people need to think about is, you know, whatever social media platform you're on, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, whatever, move people to your email list so that you own that data. So if Facebook disappeared tomorrow or Twitter or whatever, you want to have those connections still and the relationships you've built, especially business relationships. So, you know, like like Jerry, you know, we're connected on Twitter, but, yeah. you know, I also have your email address. Do you yes. know what I mean? So it's yes. like, you know, it's making that, making that uh, taking it to the next level. And people seem to forget that, um, that you don't own that data that's on the social media site. So it's really important if anyone's listening today that they just take that away from this, that, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. I didn't know it was going to change names. I only Mm. found out myself. But, you know, it has changed my whole life. It's a really powerful platform. And you're going to have, like, the fact that they're monetizing it now uh, with the Twitter Blue subscription means that people are already paying for this. And and I know... um, I, I see it going into an all-in-one platform where there'll be video. I've seen actually things behind the scenes where they are going to be introducing like uh, live streaming onto Twitter as well, like they had Periscope before. I don't know if you remember that. So I just feel he's going to make it the best platform. And to take away from the negativity that the Twitter brand has, which it has, it has a lot of negativity. And a lot of people are afraid of it because of all the media attention. But now... This is a whole new brand. So it's like he's created a whole new company, but yet he has that, um, he has the, the, the data, he has the people. 
that are already using it, you know. So, mm. you know, I just think it's going to be a super app. So a vast range of services in in-app transactions, all that kind of stuff. Interesting. So your recommendation is make sure you have all your contacts, etc., solidified under your own email. What about threads from Meta, which is been launched. It's not in the EU yet, but you can bet your bottom dollar it will be sooner rather than later. What do you make of it? I have no interest in threads because the audience on threads, it's um, usually you have to have an Instagram account to uh, create an account. So that's not where my audience are. Mm. So it depends where your audience are. So always remember if anyone's listening that's in business, go where your audience are hanging out. So if you want to be around your audience and Instagram is your audience. Yes, try Treads by all means. I'll actually be doing a LinkedIn Live tomorrow with Mark Vina. He's a tech guy, all about Treads as well. So if anyone wants to join in, just check me out on LinkedIn um, at four o'clock tomorrow. So, I mean, Treads is, it's not, it got loads of users signing up, but they already had those users on Instagram, mm. you mm. know, whereas people can, can start on X now. Yes. <laughs> So, so look, I, I look and think about TikTok, Instagram, you mentioned there, X, Facebook, Threads, and there'll be something else down the road. How do you, you know, I, I despair. You hear my, my sigh there. Do you need to be on them all? No, not at all. Not at all. Choose two platforms, okay? Choose two platforms where your audience are, but also one that you love and you're comfortable with and you know how to use it correctly. So learn how to use, if you're, let's say your audience is on Instagram, learn how to use that platform effectively. Go and do, there's lots of courses, you know, do a course, go on YouTube, get your tips, get to know the platform really well, but make sure your audience are there. I always say Instagram is for window shopping and Twitter and LinkedIn is for sales. Mm. So that's a, 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 a real distinction. What about the TikTok, TikTok generation that really seems to be gaining legs now with the younger folk? A, a different uh, age profile, different audience, different market? Well, not necessarily. I'm on TikTok, Whee! but I'm a consumer. I'm a consumer of TikTok. I do a few TikToks, but yes. I'm actually... I love scrolling through TikTok. I love watching the short form video. So short form video is really, really popular. So I actually um, see lots of companies using TikTok really, really well. So it depends. It would be a younger audience, but it's not like 12 year olds and stuff. Like people like me are on it and Mm. reading it and people are getting sales from it. So there's a lot of business owners on it and a lot of businesses are jumping onto TikTok because of the short form video um, power of short form video. So... I would not dismiss TikTok at all. It's actually really entertaining. You know, it's really good to see these videos and see these creators creating these wonderful videos and yes. funny ones as well, you know. Yes, yes. Um, so no, um, but it's just that my audience are usually someone who already has, is an expert in their niche, but they just don't have time to do Twitter and LinkedIn or a company that just doesn't have the social media person in there to do their LinkedIn or Twitter. So that's my ideal customer. So I need to be on Twitter and LinkedIn. But it's important I understand the other platforms too because if someone comes to me and, and, and I'm not the expert in TikTok, I'm not the expert in Instagram, I can show them the basics, but also I can refer them to someone who is an expert. Facebook, is its day finished? Somebody said this to me before, Facebook, oh, it's, it's old hat at this stage. What do you say to that? Uh, it's my least favourite platform. Um, I find... 
it's not that if you want to use ads, Facebook ads are really effective. Yeah. And if you learn how to use it correctly, don't just boost a post. Like Facebook's always trying to get you to boost posts, you might notice. Um, but just learn how to use it correctly and learn from a, ne- a Facebook expert how to use it correctly. But no, if you use it correctly, it's like all the platforms. If you use them correctly, they can be so powerful for your mm. business. I think something you said to me there has certainly sat with me and maybe many listening today as well. You know, if somebody just decides to switch one of these off, well, you're on your ass and that's why you got to protect. And maybe this is a lesson, as you said, in that not to be caught in in that manner. I'm sure this is going to be very interesting tomorrow. Four o'clock, LinkedIn, Samantha Kelly. Who's that guy you have with you? Mark Vina, um, he writes for Tech News World and he's right. written for Forbes. So we're going to be talking about threads and we'll also probably bring up the X as well. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, I love it. You are our expert always. So uh, <laughs> watch this space where this goes with uh, the tweeting goddess. You're always kind to us. Thank you for joining me today again, Samantha. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. That's uh, Samantha Kelly there. Yes, I noticed it myself on the Twitter feed. Yes, they put it on. I saw the big X in the corner. The little birdie was gone. Feathers and all. (laughs) It's X from now on. It has the X factor. It has it. Watch this space. But I think that is uh, salutary words there. You've got to protect your contacts and all that type of thing to make sure you have them. uh, No matter what happens to any of these platforms going forward. Well, this platform is about to close for the day. The shop is closing down in a minute or so or less. Eddie Caffrey's on his way here on LMFM Radio. Never closes here with wonderful music and more besides. Stay with us and we're back tomorrow, midweek, Wednesday, with your late lunch from 1.30 and we have a very special guest to open the show and we're really hoping you can help her with Coldplay tickets. Join us tomorrow to find out. See you then. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan.